1: Hey everybody, welcome to Take the Black Clive, a show where I, Dan Selke, and you, Cheryl Watson, talk all things Game of Thrones, as long fire, genre fiction. We have a lot to talk about today. Well, we actually have one really big, important thing to talk about today. That's a lot. HBO released a teaser trailer for the final season of Game of Thrones. It was big, it was bold, it was bad, it was epic, it was featured three people walking around some crypts.
2: Dare we say it was deadly?
1: Oh, it was deadly with its precision and its uh, thematic resonance. Indeed. By the way, thanks everybody for showing up. Hey, Julie, Terry, Kenny, Christy, Shirley, Linda, Daniel, Lisa, good to see everybody. And this week, of course, we're going to talk about the Game of Thrones teaser trailer. hope you all watched it. We're going to show it to you again really quick. But um, this time, we wanted to invite one of you fine people on to uh, discuss it with us. So we talked about the Game of Thrones teaser trailer with... Um, Take the Black Lives' own Julie Davies, all the way from Australia. Yeah. So why don't we all watch it together, and then we're going to break it down for you, what it meant, who's in it, what it means, those are the same thing, um, and just talk it through. Because we all need to process this in anticipation of our last season in Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. So let's roll the trailer and watch it, so we can all just luxuriate in it. Sure. Okay. while Whisher does that, I will say, okay.
2: Oh, technology.
3: motherless child. You are a Stark. You might not have my name, but you have my blood.
1: And we are here with longtime uh, longtime Take the Black uh, live viewer Julie Davies. Hey, Julie, how are you doing? Hi, Julie. Hi. <laughs> Good to see you. And I thought that, you know, we wanted to talk to one of our watchers and a WIT Club member about uh, the new Game of Thrones season 8 teaser trailer they released. This is the first kind of big official one that we've had. Three principal cast members walk in the crypts at Winterfell, meeting, seeing their own grave markers, facing down cold. Julie, I take that you have watched the uh, teaser trailer?
3: I have, a few times. (laughs) Got it from you guys, three minutes after it aired. Excellent. Um, We were were a bit slow getting it over here. (laughs) But, um, yeah, shivers down my spine. Absolutely loved it. More than I expected.
1: Oh yeah? Um, uh... I thought
3: it was really, really good. I'm just wondering whether it's a dream
1: though. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I've, I've heard that theory that some people are saying it might be um, a. Well, Sierra, how much sure if you heard of this? Might be a, a part of one of Bran Stark's visions. Okay. Huh? Gotcha. That
2: seems that seems legit. I appreciate the help, Julie, because I did not hear that theory just yet. So I'm only on Cultures. We don't have to be up on every single every, <laughs> every single theory out there. Um, no, I definitely think it could be a dream. I'm just wondering, you know is this a vision of one possible future or is this um you know the sole future that we're heading towards like is there a potential for this to be avoided in some way is kind of my first question about that
1: i mean i like to think yeah
3: i agree with that it could be um i think that it's definitely something well i feel like it's definitely something from bran um why would there be three statues of them otherwise right right in the I mean, crypt.
1: <laughs> I will point out there are some really fun theories flying around. Tell me if you guys have heard these. Okay. According to one, um, of course, we have to name check the classic Bran is the Night King, so <laughs> he is in the trailer. He's just right out of frame, causing icy mist to roll in. Or my personal favorite, I really liked this one, that uh, Bran went back in time, thousands of years, warged into a stonemason, built those statues himself so his siblings will find them thousands of years later. Huh? Yeah, radio. Right is uh, <laughs> certainly a thing. I'm not
3: effect. sold on that one. <laughs> no,
1: me neither. <laughs> yeah, no. I do love the creativity though. I mean, I just love the imagery of it, right? I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's so well produced. I loved the, um, the kind of the image of the feather freezing over on the ground. I thought it was really evocative. Mm-hmm. I loved John's torch kind of guttering out and then, um, you know, being washed in blue light. I mean, I-, I love the image of them finding their own grave markers, even if I- I'm not sure it's meant to be taken literally. I just love the the, the the visual of that. Like, you know, it- it's like if you walk through a graveyard and you see, like, Cheryl Wassenaar in the tombstone. It's creepy, and it's eerie, it's effective, it's gothic. <laughs> I like it. I
2: mean, there is actually another Cheryl Wassenaar out there. That's true, so, I Googled uh, that. Yeah, but she's alive too. So, um, but I think, if you want to read it kind of metaphorically, Mm -hmm. I think what you end up doing is you're kind of reading it as these three are together kind of at last, but what they're facing is something that could very easily kill them. If you want to go into the full, like, reading it entirely as a metaphor, there's no chance they're dying. Everyone in that family has plot armor, at least (laughs) I hope they do at this point. It's last season. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Anything can happen now.
2: So, yeah. I mean, Julie, what are you thinking about the whole idea of why is it this three? Why is it these three characters together in the crypts of
3: Winterfell? It's a bad question. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm not. I'm not really sure why. Um, I just, as I said, I, I'm just thinking that it's a dream and it's Bran sure. or mm-hmm. one of the others having a dream or something. And I loved hearing Caitlin admit that it's all her fault. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> I love it.
3: Um, and yeah, all all of the you know, um, Ned Stark's voice coming over and saying that he's not the blood and all that sort of thing. I Mm -hmm. thought it was really well done. Mm -hmm. Just, I can't, it makes you so excited for the whole thing to happen and see what it all leads to and where it's going and all that. I think it's gonna be a really great episode, really great
1: series. That bit where Jon and Arya kind of draw their swords together and step in front of Sansa was kind of the chills moment for me. That was a good bit.
2: I know, I saw that and I was like, oh yeah, that's the, give me the family feels that I need in my life. I mean,
1: it's so weird to think that those, like those three have, or at least those two, have not had a scene together since like the second one seven years ago. <laughs> and yet everyone still wants them to get together. There's just a a very powerful draw that, or just attachment that people have to those characters.
2: I mean, they had a unique bond. Yeah, they always even did. Even as children and you know, they've both kind of grown so far apart and I think john is going to be excited to see where Arya is gone and Arya is going to be excited to see where john is gone and think they're actually just both still alive and i think that's going to be a positive
3: <laughs> for them yeah,
1: which is uh, pretty unusual yeah. I,
3: I, i'm excited to see when they actually do meet for the first Obviously. time and um how they react to each other and what john feels about how aria's evolved <laughs> um as a person and all that sort of thing and it's gonna, just going to be exciting
1: and as a murderess you have to wonder if she uh, how much of that will get out um, I do want to ask you guys, the, the mm-hmm. two of you, just yeah. so. What struck me, a part of it, was that even though it, it, I mean, it, it's about these three Stark kids, right, Sansa, Arya, and Jon, mm-hmm. but all three of the quotes are about Jon Snow. I noticed that. Yeah. So you know, uh, Lyanna's like, "You have to protect him," him being Jon. Mm-hmm. Catelyn's like, as you admitted, Julie, um, that's, it's all her fault. All this family's, all this horror is because I couldn't love mother's child. And then Ned is talking literally to John. Mm -hmm. You don't have my name, but you have my blood. So are we being told that it's gonna be a Jon Snow spectacular focused kind of season? Because he he did seem to take up the majority of the mind share in that trailer, Mm -hmm. even though visually it was kind of split between them.
2: I mean, it almost has to be a Jon Snow spectacular at
3: this point, he's one of the major players. But what are your thoughts, Julie? Is it leading us to think that Jon Snow is going to be the one that survives? I mean, I think most people agree that mm-hmm. either Danny or Jon will survive. Yeah. Right. Um, I think it probably means Jon's going to be the one that, to survive. Okay, mm-hmm.
1: work. Well, it is just really fast. Could be bo- wrong,
3: obviously. <laughs> <Of> yes, <course. laughs>
1: could always be wrong. Before we sign off, um, th- th- there was one other theory that was going around yeah. uh, that the statue for John looked a lot older than the statues for Arya or Sansa, which is, I don't know. I, I, I just think that indicates uh, kind of iffy craftsmanship on the prop department, but they're saying <laughs> it like, oh, that means that Sansa and Arya are gonna die when they're young and John's gonna live to be like 80, like he looks on the statue. I think it might just be, well, his black hair just looks white when it's chiseled in stone. But yeah. uh, People are saying that. Yeah, too. I
3: think it's just the color of the stone. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: And honestly, like the Ned Stark statue, never really looked like Ned Stark to me.
1: None of the statues no. really so, look like. Yeah, characters.
2: the Arya statue was
3: okay, but yeah, yeah, but the Sansa and. But even when Jon you ones. when you think about that, um, the Arya statue, she's still a child. Yeah, that's true. Like it, she's quite short in it. Yeah. So. But I mean, if, if, if it's sort of saying that that's the end of them, then that means that she's not going to make it much longer.
1: Yeah, if it is. I mean, it's the end yeah. of all of them. They're all, you know, grave marker, rich yeah. dog stuff. Yeah. Um, what about the date? April 14th. So, we finally have a release date. Does that interfere with anyone's oh, plans?
3: Yeah. Um, what is it? 12 uh, weeks and five days to go. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> Just over three months and five days. I can, I, I can deal with that. Yeah, I can live now that we yeah. have an end date in mind. Mm-hmm.
3: It's, hey. yeah, it's just, n- now you've got a date, it gives you something to really look forward to, even though you're looking forward to it, it gives you something to really hold on to. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, l- unlike everybody else, obviously, in the Game of Thrones world, mm-hmm. who just can't wait for it to happen and arrive, <laughs> and it's just gonna be de- devastating when it finishes. Yeah. It is.
1: Although I wanna point it out that we on this show predicted April 21st, so we were pretty close. Yes. We were, we were seven we days were close,
3: off. Yep. We, yes. I was thinking April 28th, but yeah, yeah, I was thinking I'm glad it's two weeks oh. earlier. Huh?
2: Yeah, I, I was thinking they would go with April 21st just because it's Easter Sunday, just to mess with everybody <laughs> like happy Easter, yeah. go home early. It's resurrected. <laughs> 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 you, you made a funny I
1: made it before
3: <laughs> I, I know right. you have.
1: Any other thoughts, Julie, yeah. on uh, the final Game of Thrones teaser trailer ever?
3: No, not really. Um, that's it for me. Um, I think it was just awesome. I was happy about it and just excited. I've watched it obviously like everyone else about 30 <laughs> times and yeah, thank you <laughs> much. just keep going back over it and until I've driven my husband crazy. Um, yeah. Can't wait for it.
1: Very much. Yeah. I think we're both in the same boat.
3: Uh, yes.
2: We're sailing the SX excited.
1: Thanks a lot for coming Julie. Yeah, thank um, you, Julie. Um, and thanks uh, for having me with you. Of course. And we'll see you soon. I'm sure.
3: Mm-hmm. I'll see you tomorrow or today, <laughs>
1: today <Yeah>. whatever <laughs> right now eventually whatever. okay <laughs> thanks a lot
3: sorry about that bye From <laughs> bye. bye
1: okay and we're back in yes. the, the same day but the different clothes no we felt like yesterday thanks so go. much Julie for uh, doing that it was a lot of fun talking about that It was. and um, we're totally open to doing that with more fans by the way if you guys want to appear on um, take the black live feel free to check out the wick club which is where we're making uh, some extra Game of Thrones, Song of and Fire content, videos, articles, what have you. And um, offer fuck the chance to come and take the black live and chat because there's gonna be a lot of news between now and April 14th. It's true. We wanna discuss it all. Okie doke uh, A couple of things that we didn't um, hit with Julia that I wanna bring up really quickly. Do it. About the trailer, okay. Yes. Um, have you heard the theory from the trailer about uh, the similarity between Sansa and Daenerys's hair. I have. It's very important. The hair in Game of Thrones is a whole thing.
0: It actually
2: is. I've written about it before, yeah. Oh, completely. Oh, yeah. Completely. It, oh, I am yeah.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm like, not being facetious. It's, it's very important. It is. Anyway. So, fans noticed that Sansa's hair in this thing looks kind of similar to Daenerys' hair in the Season 7 promo. And they're wondering, because Sansa has this habit, that's demonstra- demonstrable throughout the series, of modeling her hair very carefully after women. She kind of admires, like she looked, she's doing her hair like Cersei in the first season, like Marjorie in the third, like her she looks more like her mother, Catelyn's hair in the sixth around there. Does this mean that these two are gonna become buds?
2: I hope so. We've talked about this on the Wick Club extremely yeah. extensively. Um and but excitedly. I would really love if Sansa and Danny kind of developed at least a working relationship. Like I don't need them to be the greatest buddies who have ever walked the earth, mm-hmm. but I want them to have some sort of working relationship. I don't want them like fighting with each other just for having them fighting.
1: I mean, we did talk about this on, on The Wit Club and I kind of came down on, I think them fighting would make sense for the characters. Um, I don't want to have them fighting just to fight, but I, I do think they should probably be at odds at least for a while, but they can come around. Yeah. Um, Personally, I think Sansa's kind of past the point where she's doing her hair like the lady she likes now. I just think she kind of wore that thing last season, too. Mm-hmm. But it was a fun little observation. Yeah. It's always fun for parallels. And as we've seen, the hair does matter on this show. You will always notice it, and it's always important. Mm-hmm. Always important. Ooh, Kenny says perhaps Danny's doing her hair like Sansa. Maybe. Why not? And finally, maybe they do I... each other's hair. <laughs> maybe they do. Maybe it's like Sansa, Daenerys, and Masande in like a tri-corner hair situation, one to the next. Yeah, Aureo like is definitely
2: not invited to that one.
1: Or she is, and she's like, no. <laughs> I'm going to go to something else. Oh,
2: my, no. Oh, wait, no, she can't take other people's faces, or she she couldn't take like Sansa's face, because I would say, like... No, she has to die. Yeah.
1: And anyway. I don't
2: want that to happen. Anyway!
1: Um, I also wanted to point out something about uh, the feather that we see prominently in that... Trailer, if yes. you remember that one? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It falls out of Lyanna Stark's hand when John goes by, sits, in the, sits on the ground, freezes over. Nicely evocative imagery. Love it, love it, love it. Um, you know, that feather has actually a long history on Game of Thrones. We of saw, Of course it does. It, it does. I, I, continue. <laughs> we saw Robert Baratheon put it in Lyanna Stark's hand, the very first episode of the series. She's kind of going down there and being like, oh, why did I have to die? I loved you so much. Here's a feather. I don't know exactly why. Worst gift ever. And then later, this is the bit that we, that may not be as clear. There's a scene in in season five where Sansa's at Winterfell with Littlefinger and Ramsay. Mm -hmm. And she goes down to the crypts and she actually takes the feather from Lyanna's or just, she she finds it on the floor near, near Liana's statue, picks it up and it's like, oh, a feather. And then our writer Katie Mashka wrote an article about all this and she noticed that Sansa actually then wears the feather as jewelry on her wrist. Zoom in on the lower right-hand corner of that picture, if you would, Richard. Oh, it's the feather. This,
2: we have to go deeper. This is Inception level. Did you know that?
1: I didn't realize that. I didn't know, no. (laughs) That's why I'm saying this is Inception level. We have to go deeper. Thanks to Katie for pointing that out. Yes. Anyway, so that feather's with Sansa right now, which, by the way, confirms to me that this teaser is not any kind of real thing happening because the feather couldn't be there it's with sansa
2: maybe sansa put it back
1: <laughs> maybe she did put it Ugh. back i don't know after.
2: maybe it's a different feather <laughs>
1: <sighs> no, that's it's definitely the same feather that she took because because she's because she's seen with the feather yes. and then it's gonna risk the next scene i'm just no, being difficult it. to be difficult thank you i appreciate it <laughs> anyway the feather like the hair matters okay <laughs> I'm very excited. Okay. We're going to get the new show in a very brief amount of time.
2: Yeah, you don't have to take it out on me, though. I'm sorry.
1: I'm trying to raise the energy
2: for fun. For people at home.
1: Anyway, I noticed that. That was fun. Yes. Anything else you noticed about um, the teaser trailer you wanted to bring up, Cheryl?
2: I mean, no. I I actually didn't watch it until Monday. Fair enough. I was playing video games on Sunday.
1: Oh, sure. Um, that's, the, that, that's the day after it came out. That's fine.
2: Like like an old, like, you know. um But I... I like kind of the evocative nature right. of it. Like, this this goes beyond just the whole the map freezing over and the ice yeah. and fire clashing. Like, that was kind of, that like was that. your basic tier symbolism. This mm-hmm. is going into full on did the top fall over at the end of Inception or not level. Feather. Yes, but with a feather instead of a top. Mm-hmm. Um, how many inception jokes can I make? The world may never know. Um, <laughs> so I, I like that they're not going literal. I know there are rumors that there is actually going to be a real trailer at some point. Oh, yeah,
1: they're they've confirmed it.
2: Yes, they have confirmed it. Um. And so there is going to be a real trailer. But I like that we're not going straight into real trailers. I like that there's some stuff for us to wrestle and okay. play with symbolically.
1: Actually, I'd be in support of, like, in lieu of a real trailer, just make, like, a two-and-a-half-minute short film where it's just the characters doing symbolic things.
2: I wouldn't hate it, honestly.
1: I'd be fine with that. Yeah. Okay. So that was the Game of Thrones teaser trailer. Pretty exciting. It's really happening, people. And, of course, we... and. The date, um, April 14th, it's Cats Happening. So, great. Before we do uh, a song of Dan and Josh, let's go beyond the wall for a second discuss something non-Game of Thrones related.
2: Well, there is a big hole in it, so it's easier to
1: do these days. It really is. You can just slip right into I it know. and Beyond it. Just take a walk. It's like poop. Anyway, um, other than Game of Thrones, lots of stuff happening in the world of pop culture. For example, Spider-Man.
2: Does ever a spider can.
1: Spider-Man Far From Home, the Marvel movie to follow Avengers Endgame. New trailer for that. Mm -hmm. Uh, We got Tom Holland as Peter Parker having a European vacation, I think in Italy, I want to say, Venice or something like that. We have Jake Gyllenhaal looking, I think, a little silly um, as villain Mysterio.
2: Mysterio wears a fishbowl and is therefore inherently silly.
1: I mean, I thought he looked silly before the fishbowl came on. Oh, okay. what do you think of the trailer, Cheryl?
2: I mean, I like Spider Man. I like Spider Man. I like Tom Holland's version of Spider Man. I am excited. I think we actually had a really great article on Culturist about how Spider like the seemingly more lighthearted tone of Far From Home, is what we're going to need after. Endgame kind of crushes our souls, mm-hmm. so I'm excited for it. I'm excited to see where it goes, what happens. You know, I'm kind of into Jake Gyllenhaal's like scruffy look that he's got going on. Yeah,
1: he doesn't look bad. Yeah, kind of looks like a he looks like like a Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas, um, like stand-in guard. You know that they hire. That that's what I'm getting from him, a bit. Like Caesar's Palace, like um, thirty thirty hundred A.D. Oh, boy. Anyway, um, as Nicole points out, brings a point I want to discuss, confirmation of his survival, yay, and WTF Jake. I agree with the WTF Jake. But, okay, a really quick question I want to ask you. So this is a movie for Spider-Man set after Endgame. And as far as we know. They have confirmed. The producer yes. said yeah, it I know. picks up right after Endgame.
2: I know. I'm just being difficult. Gotcha.
1: And I just, yes, okay.
2: And you walked into it. Ha, ha, ha. I win.
1: <laughs> you Continue. Totally win. Anyway, my question to you is, is it, uh, like, spoiling Endgame that we have a trailer where Peter Parker, who turned to dust at the end of Infinity War, is very clearly alive in this next movie?
2: All of a sudden, Peter Parker is feeling much better than he was at the end of Infinity War. And apparently
1: no worse for wear. Like, it's not only he's alive, he's swinging around, going on vacation, having a grand old time.
2: I mean, he's a little emotionally scarred. He doesn't want to take his suit.
1: He looked fine. Do you wanna take a suit? Cause I just wanna have a European vacation with my friend.
2: Uh, well, yeah, cause he's emotionally scarred.
1: I mean, no one's crying. No one's, you know, you basking to in the sunlight. You show
2: your pain, Dan.
1: Okay, I'll concede that point. <laughs> um, anyway, I personally think this trailer is a bit of, uh, I just don't like the fact that it so blatantly spoils what's supposed to be the movie event of 2019. Like, clearly, those deaths we saw in Infinity War aren't going to last. Which, I mean, yes, we could have guessed that without having to have a trailer for it, but it's still, I still want to pretend there are stakes. It's taking away the stakes for me. I want to see how it comes back. I don't want to know the conclusion before it happens. Those <laughs> Endgame trailers are very dark and dour, and now I know that it all ends happily-go-luckily?
2: I don't like it. I just want to note that I've been holding this pose for, like, 30 seconds while you've been talking. And for those who are listening on our podcast, I'm kind of sitting here, like, in the biggest meh pose known to man. Like, my shoulders are kind of up, and I'm just like, yeah, so what? I mean, the response here is we literally knew there was going to be a Homecoming sequel the year Homecoming came out. Mm -hmm. We literally knew it was a thing. It was confirmed. We knew that on some level Infinity War did not have the stakes that it was purported to be. I know the Russo brothers have yelled, "Oh yes, every death in Infinity War is real." I bet they have. And literally everyone else looked at them and said, "You're lying and we all kind of know it." Like there's this certain uh, it was even a Fact brought up in reviews of Infinity War. Like, we all know that there's literally going to be a Black Panther 2 and yes, there's going do. to be a Spider Man sequel. Like, we know that this is not going to be permanent. And so, your argument that the stakes are being taken away, A, has already been made, and B, I think there are still some stakes. We also had a really great article on Cultures about how the fact that Tony Stark's nowhere to be seen in the Spider Man Far From Home trailer. That's true. And they make a big point of Happy Hogan saying, oh, you're all alone now, Peter, blah, blah, blah. Which seems to uh, at least implicate that Tony Stark may now be the one that was not feeling so good because oh, he's dead.
1: Great, more spoilers.
2: Sorry. <laughs> I mean, we all kind of figured that Iron Man was probably, was at least likely, like if there's a Deadpool for, <laughs> Deadpool, mm-hmm. for um, Endgame, Tony Stark is kind of like in the lead swimming here. Like, like it's him and Steve Rogers, like right next to each other.
1: First doing... time this dance hearing about it, but same.
2: Yeah, no. We, 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 there's, there's just the response of, yeah, we kind of knew. So there's there's no there there is also kind of an inherent impermanence in the Marvel Cinematic universe. It's true. It's based on comic books. Nobody dies in comic books. They just you're come right. back you're all right. except for Uncle Ben. Like Uncle Ben's done. Everyone else probably <laughs> can come back.
1: I hear your point, and I agree with it. I mean I, I, yeah. everything you're saying is true. So is everything I, you're saying? I, I do think there's a big difference between like reading in the trades that Black Panther 2 is coming and getting a trailer before a movie that you're going to it doesn't have anything to do with superheroes like The Favorite and seeing a big edited trailer that's telling you and flashing neon bright CGI lit lights what you saw in that movie is not going to last For something of the War is not going to last to, to me like I know that I have to suspend disbelief to think that those deaths are going to last I know it But I can still do it as long as the confirmation to the other side is just like, oh, they're hard at work on this movie. It's, that's different to me than like seeing a trailer for a movie where what was done in Infinity War is undone to me. And I think to probably a lot of other people who don't, you know, I mean, because most people who who see Marvel movies probably don't, aren't gonna read about Black Panther 2 because they just go to the movies. They don't read variety.
2: I mean, yeah, but like it just kind of seems in today's world, I think even moviegoers are a little more connected than you are giving them credit for. And so I think <laughs> it's entirely possible that the majority of Marvel's moving going audience already knew that sure. this was in some ways not as permanent. So. It's
1: not a huge shock, but nope. I'm a little upset, but I'll get over it. It's fine.
2: Yeah. And Julie, You'll still buy tickets anyway. Oh, totally. And that's what Marvel
1: wants. That's, I guess, what they got me. And Julie says, uh, stop talking about steaks. You're making me hungry. And, um, okay, Julie, me we too. will abide by that. In yes. fact, uh, let's move on to a song of Dan and Josh. Okay. And uh, before that, enjoy this little, um, our own little short film <coughs> while we transition. Bye, everyone. <laughs> oh, Ned Stark, will you ever learn? <laughs> oh, sorry. I didn't see you there. I'm Dan Selke, the editor at WinnerIsComing.net, your one-stop shop for all things Game of Thrones, A Song of Ice and Fire, and genre fiction in general. We here at WIC love bringing you news, reviews, and editorial content, and we're gonna keep doing all that stuff. However, for the especially hardcore among you, we're gonna start offering even more. Welcome to the WIC Club. The WIC Club is a Patreon-funded effort to provide fantasy and sci-fi fans with even more WIC content. You can join at several levels. For one dollar a month, you can enter into monthly swag giveaways and get to read extra columns. At four dollars, you'll get to watch extra episodes of Take the Black Live, our weekly chat show, with topics chosen by you. Please be gentle. And at the Valyrian Steel level, that's ten dollars a month, you get Wick Club t-shirts and access to a new segment we're calling Drinking and Knowing Things, a monthly live stream where I drink wine and talk with all of you in a free-flowing conversation about Game of Thrones fantasy, sci-fi, and whatever else comes up after I've had a few. Just to be clear, we're not gonna stop doing anything in Wick we already do, and we're hoping to add more stuff anyway. The Wick Club is a way to produce even more content, and hopefully to get to know some of you better. You can find links to more information below. We hope to see you in the Wick Clubhouse. Valer Morghulis, bottoms up, and thanks for watching. That interesting. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, I am here with fansided's own Josh Hill. Hello. I said hello. And we're here to discuss. Um, and Julie says hi, Josh. All caps, Hi, Julie. Uh, five it was A great handwaves. segment
4: earlier too. It was. It was, it was really was fun. fun.
1: Thanks again, Julie, for doing that. That was, that was a blast. It was really awesome. Anyway, Josh and I are reading through the entirety of A Song of Ice and Fire, George R. 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 Martin's magnum opus, on TV as Game of Thrones. Um, a chapter at a time, and yeah. just breaking it down. I've read all the books multiple times, this is your first time through them, Josh. Yep. And we're just going through it chapter by chapter, seeing what we can see. Mm-hmm. Anyway, today we're discussing the second official chapter of A Clash of Kings, second book Sansa. in the series, Sansa. 1. Yep. Okay. Run us through really briefly, Josh, what's like the bullet points, what happens in this chapter?
4: Well, this is the uh, chapter where old What's-His-Name gets made a fool and Joffrey Dantos wants to kill him. hollers. This is basically, Dantos. the the moral of the chapter is, it could be subtitled, this is where Sansa finds out that Joffrey's a giant dick. <laughs> and it, no, like she's already well aware of <laughs> she's, that. We get she's plenty all plenty excuse father. This is further confirmation that she's in a <laughs> yes. bad situation and needs to get out. But also, she's kind of the same character that she was in the last book. As much as she may be more aware now of things that yeah, a little more aware. are real-world problems, she's also still kind of in this... She's not quite out of her Disney princess Entirely mindset no. yet. But she's getting there.
1: I will agree that Joffrey kind of steals the show a bit in this. He kind of takes center stage. Like, th- this is the reason he became an iconic character. Yeah. Like... So in this chapter, I'm just going to read the first time we see him. So the whole chapter is just about Sansa, basically, goes down to watch a really crappy tournament. Mm-hmm. And the reason it's crappy is because they're afraid to open the gates to anybody because there's a war going on. And everybody in the King's Land, like the, the peasants are all really <laughs> upset that there might be like a food shortage and stuff. So it's like, we're just going to barricade ourselves in here and just do a tournament with whoever we've got on hand. And the Hound the whole time is like, these are gnats, <laughs> like he hates the whole thing. And the Hound is great in this the chapter. The Hound is great. He's, like, the only one, like, everyone's terrified of Joffrey that he'll do something, but the Hound, like, just, just openly care. say, like, you're <laughs> an idiot, That's kid. That's the
4: badassery of the Hound came yeah. across very well in this chapter.
1: And Joffrey doesn't punish him. Like, I don't think like, scared. scared. scared or, I don't what, think he's scared. I think he...
4: Joffrey's he, a weasel. Joffrey knows.
1: He's, yeah, yeah, he must be scared. Like, he, Joffrey says, and he can, like, in this chapter... Serdantas, this kind mm-hmm. of a bumbling knight, buffoon. comes out, buffoon, comes out to tilt in the tournament, <laughs> which means ride a horse and plant mm-hmm. somebody, and he comes out drunk and pantsless and naked from the waist down. Not on television, he just no. comes out drunk, film to the drunk stuff, mm-hmm. and Joffrey wants to drown him in a cask of wine. Like... The Hound insults him, but he mm-hmm. doesn't do anything to the Hound. It, might, it probably is because he's scared a little bit. The Hound has
4: some clout, like he does. There's some you don't want to mess with the Hound.
1: I think Jeffy kind of admires the Hound in, in a little bit too. Like he kind of has like an idol worship sort of thing. Not worship, but just like he doesn't give it yeah. two shits about anybody. It's awesome.
4: Yeah. I can see that. Like,
1: in a way, like a a precocious jerk 12-year-old would look (laughs) up to some kind of edgelord badass dude. Yeah.
4: Okay.
1: Anyway. um, Where is I going with any of this? Okay. The first time we see Joffrey, I like the image. Uh, Mm -hmm. The king was shaded beneath a crimson canopy, one leg thrown negligently over the carved wooden arm of his chair. (laughs) It's like, that's a good image, right? It is a good image. Of, like, the king in a crown and armor just like... Yeah. (laughs) This cocky little a-hole kid just... Yeah, it's like not taking business seriously at all. No. Nope. Just lounging about. And uh, yeah, he, he has a good chapter. Um, Sansa, if we're talking about appearance, um, very important for her too. Mm-hmm. Because so her father's dead. She doesn't really have any friends in the city anymore. Like no one who's going to help her. Mm-mm. She, she, she's a prisoner, she is a prisoner here, but it's not, she's not in a jail cell because they want to use her to marry Joffrey to get the North on their side. So she's a prisoner, but she has her own room and a bed and she goes to events and um, her game now is just survival. She's trying to be among these people and not die, mm-hmm. pretty much. And as always with Sansa, her game is about how she presents herself, like a If Arya's game is about who to stab next, Sansa's about how to present yourself, knowing who's around you, and saying and doing the right thing, and just importantly, not saying or doing the wrong thing. Okay. So, and with that, with appearance, clothes are important. So we get, as always, a description of what she wears. She wore a gown of pale purple silk and a moonstone hairnet that had been a gift from Joffrey. The gown had long sleeves to hide the bruises on her arms. Those were Joffrey's gifts as well. And then the, uh, this other line is kind of a classic for Sansa. Uh, what was it that Sephtimur used to tell her? A lady's armor is courtesy. That was it. She donned her armor. So the idea is when Sansa goes into battle, mm-hmm. it's, it's a courtly battle. It's her navigating this political realm and the, her weapons are just saying the right thing to the right person at the right time and not saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. And we see that with Joffrey. She, she plays with Joffrey some because yeah. she has to. So she has this long line when she sits next to Joffrey, because she, again, she's technically his fiance. Mm -hmm. And the line is, uh, All sorts of people will... The king settled back in his seat and took Sansa's hand. Once that would have set her heart to pounding, but that was before he had answered her plea for mercy by presenting her with her father's head. His touch filled her with revulsion now, and she knew better than to show it. But she knew better than to show it. She made herself sit very still. And, like, that act of sitting very still, even Mm -hmm. though it's so easy is her challenge because yes. do you think Arya would have sat still during that hell no no if she would have got up and tried to strangle dropping <laughs> she would have been killed <laughs> and we would have liked it but she would have died oh yeah so this is kind of this is sansa's game yeah this is the game she has to play for the next couple of books really
4: this, yeah it's this she's maturing, like she's figuring out what she mm-hmm. has to do here in order to survive it's not necessarily the most well thought out plan. It's not necessarily the sexiest plan in the world. No. Arya's plan is much more way sexier. Yeah, it's it's rough and tough, and I mean, it's she gets to action, be a boy, get, and she's, she's on a badass, way north yeah.
1: all these people, and she she has a sword. She's gonna like poke. She trips Hot Pie, and mm-hmm. he plays his face, and he craps himself, and she kicks him in the balls over and over. This is like a really so high. Does not do
4: that? Yeah, this is high society. This is like Stanley Kubrick's Game of Thrones. Which is she has Barry linden This is Barry Linden in Westeros. So. <laughs> Pretty that's, much. Yeah, and I'm into it, so.
1: Yeah, I like it, too. And it's cool that this comes right after Arya's chapters. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think he might be playing off each other be, yeah. a little bit.
4: Oh, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Um, what was I going to say? Blah, 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 blah. I mean, she's still very young. Yep. And so her her game is to saying do the right thing, not do the wrong thing. She she does still mess up. Mm-hmm. She's not there yet. So when when Joffrey's going to drown Ser Tantas in a cask of wine, she, not thinking, yells, like, you can't do that, because... <laughs> You can't, what, 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 you can't do that. You can't do that. can't do that. That's no. inappropriate. No. But then Joffrey turns to her and is like, what did you say? And she, like, that that's the wrong move. Because mm-hmm. even though that's the right sentiment, he's going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. And if you object, he's going to hurt you. But then she recovers really nicely. Mm-hmm. And she, she does something that she'll get really good at over the course of these books, um, which is convincing somebody to do something without trying to seem like that's what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think that um, she says like, you can't kill him. It's it's bad luck to do it on your birthday. Mm -hmm. This is the reason they have a tournament. to the birthday party, which is a lie. The Hound backs her up. Another sign of his like hidden soft spot for the Stark girls. Mm -hmm. And then um, Duffy's like, well, the Hound said it, I guess I won't. And uh, I'll kill the fool tomorrow. And Sansa says, um, I, don't, I don't know I did. Where is it? Blah, 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 blah. He is a fool. You're so clever to see it. And says, he should be your fool. Don't kill him. Make him a fool. Put yeah. him in motley. Have him be a jester. She, so she saves his life. saves his life, yeah. She saves this idiot's, this drunk idiot's life. And she does it by doing this thing she'll have to get used to, which is, again, it's kind of like what Marjorie is an expert at. Yeah. Saying something that convinces them to do something, but not letting them know that you're trying to convince them to do it mm-hmm. That's Sansa's whole thing. The brilliance of Sansa. The brilliance of Sansa, and again, it's a it's 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 a I think that brings George R. R. Martin in some ways because he the fun of these books is that he gives us all these different sorts of drama mm-hmm. Like he gives us with Arya a a road story where it's all very violent and intense and battle-heavy um, You know with Jon we have zombies with Daenerys we have dragons and we have this like courtly melodrama here. It's extremely different from anything else, but I think it's... I like Sansa chapters a lot. I think they have a very different sort of energy to them. Yeah.
4: I agree. (laughs) Great.
1: (laughs) Same. Okay, uh, what else we got? We got um, the comet again. We we talked last week about how George R. Martin is using...
4: Spielbergian comet that is... Populating all of these chapters. Is that like in a Spielberg movie? I can't remember. Yeah It's like he always has like a shooting star or something. He? I actually yeah. don't know. I'll have to look that up It's like a
1: little Easter egg in all of his movies. Fun. As Julie says make them think it's their idea and exactly that's what yeah. she does um, We ties that together here and I think this time Sir Ares Oakheart of the Kingsguard, which is a name you should remember if we're gonna do this forever He's not really in the show, but he does play a part in the book mm-hmm. uh, This comment is sent to Harold Joffrey's ascent to the throne. I have no doubt he says so again this is the idea of everyone looks at this comet and everyone interprets it completely differently. Yep. Arya looks it's at it. Clever. It's clever. Yeah.
4: You think that's clever? I Think it's a good device. I mean it's not the most creative device but it's interesting, you know, that he's throwing this in here just to be like there's you know you're getting different ideas of the ways that people live their lives in different parts of Westeros yeah. based on how they're interpreting something as simple as a comet that they all can't see. <clears throat> yeah, and it's a nice commentary on, you know, things like that. Whether it's like right. religion or politics or whatever, like the, your interpretation of something may be entirely different than what it is. Like everybody thinks it's this grand magical thing, and it's a piece of space rock flying right. next to Earth or wherever the hell Westeros is. Yeah, so. who knows?
1: Like, and that could be like his final message. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe his message is, "You're trying to find meaning. There
4: isn't any." That well, that that's the point. It's this existential, like nihilistic. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, what is Game of Thrones about? We're all obsessed with the politics. We're all obsessed mm. with who's going to... And the ice zombies are coming to turn your babies into, you know, and turn you and your babies into walking Further dead ice, ice zombie <laughs> things. And that's the that that's basically the point of the show is what's... Everything that's happening, you're trying to find meaning in all of the politics and all of the drama. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because this doom is coming from right. beyond the wall. And he's baked that down into just a comet. but.
1: I also think it's a way, and I, I said this last week, but I'm going to say it again: um, that he wants to to remind us that we are that all these characters are in the same world. Yep. Because you know, at this point, we're starting to splinter; the stories mm-hmm. are kind of going off their own directions. But, like structurally, he can tie it together with mm-hmm. they all see the same thing. So mm-hmm. they're all they're all part of the same story, even though they're on their own
4: mm-hmm. paths. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, Let's talk about Tyrion for a second because he comes in here. He
4: does. We get a Tyrion appearance.
1: We do. He uh, saunters in. Joffrey's. <laughs> Joffrey's like, oh, you, you. Yep. So you're alive. That's nice. Um, and at Tyrion, like the Hound, kind of insults Joffrey, mm-hmm. but I mean, he can get away with it. Can, he, yeah, he has power. He has yeah. enough sway to get away with it. And at both, he and Sansa do the backhanded compliment thing to Joffrey, which they <laughs> yeah, will both yeah. get very good at. I think. Let's see. What does Sansa say? Um. Oh, like Joffrey, um, Joffrey, like an idiot, says, I want to challenge your brother Rob to single combat. Which, (laughs) and Sansa's like, I should like to see that, your grace. Meaning that, of course, he'd smack you to death. kill you. (laughs) Older, way more talented. You're an idiot. And and there's even a line, like, and then Joffrey looked at her, unsure of whether he just insulted him. Which is great. It's, it's, It's a lot of fun. Yeah. And then uh, Tyrion does been very similar. They, they both kind of have this in common. They're always giving Joffrey backhanded compliments. Um, I wish I would have organized this slightly better. Be-la, 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 be-la. Oh, um, Joffrey says like, "I am the king," and Tyrion's like, "All sorts of people. Are, all sorts of people are calling themselves kings these days." <laughs> Ooh, just meaning gotcha. that, yeah, like you're the king. That's he... terrible. And again, he, he can get away with that because he he's, he's powerful enough. He's brought uh, Braun to the capital. He's brought mm-hmm. his Vale uh, tribesmen, mm-hmm. people who are all gross and savage and live in the hills. And they're a little, uh, you know, unpredictable. So he's, he's covering up space for himself where he can kind of do whatever. Yeah. So Sansa doesn't like Joffrey, obviously. Doesn't She's like... a little
4: untrust, untrusting of Tyrion, too. She is. Because um, he's a Lannister. Like, he is nice her, yeah. to her. So that was a little bit of a, or he's kind-ish to her. Like, he's not Joffrey, which I guess is very a very low bar to clear.
1: I mean, Joffrey bruises her
4: arms mm-hmm. and,
1: you know, dry, kills people in front of her for kicks. So but, yeah, like, Joffrey the fact that her her.
4: he's nice to her and he's a Lannister, but he's a Lannister, like, th- that, it's working in two different ways because she's like, oh, he's not like Joffrey, like, this is mm-hmm. something different. But then at the same time, in the back of her mind... And in the back of our minds, we're like, well, he's a Lannister. He's not. And at this point, I don't know how trusting we are of Tyrion. Because we did see some things in the last book where we're like, okay, maybe he and Jamie are a little bit different than the rest of the Lannisters, right. Tyrion specifically. And then this is an example of while we may think that he's trustworthy, it's a little jarring to now have this character who we also like being like, ooh, I'm not so sure about him because he's yeah. a Lannister.
1: Yeah, that's the that's, that, that, that's interesting question here. Like, so, so, so Tyrion comes up and basically, you know, he says, I'm sorry for your loss, Sansa. Yeah, genuinely. You know, yeah, and yeah. he would be. And I, I remember the line of the book, like, Sansa's confused. Mm-hmm. Like, what is he trying to do? Mm-hmm. What's going on here? And uh, the idea is, you know, she trusted Cersei and Joffrey, and what happened? I think the, uh, she says, uh, Cersei and Joffrey had repaid that love and trust with her father's head. Sansa would never make that mistake again. So is she justified in being wary of
4: Tyrion? Yeah, I think she is. I think she's not in the right mindset. I mean, she's still in the mode of having just, you know, her, her dad's yeah. head just got cut the off. The wound is rather raw. It's very raw. And so she's not, you can't fault her for thinking that everybody out there, all the Lannisters, the family that just killed her father, are probably out to get her. So that's not, I, don't, I think she's completely justified. Right. She's not right, but she's completely justified in thinking that. I think that's it. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. And
1: I mean, I, and I think that's part of the the, the thing that makes these books cool mm-hmm. that I mean, and the strength of this kind of format he uses, the different point of view structure, mm-hmm. where these characters do have very different opinions about everybody and we, and we can understand why they see things the way they do even though we no one has the whole truth mm-hmm. in these books, which makes them makes for an interesting kind of tension. Yeah. Um, also let's bring up the fact that Tyrion in the books is hideous. He's going to read some description with his bulging brow and mismatched eyes. Tyrion was still the ugliest man she had ever chanced to look upon. Damn. (laughs) Um, so Peter Dinklage, pretty good looking guy. Do you wish they had kept,
4: uh, Tyrion ugly ass? Mm, No. (laughs) I think, I think Peter (laughs) Dinklage is doing just a fine job. I will, uh, good job HBO for, for doing that.
1: I mean, they—it's ha- it, it, TV. Like you, they—they yeah. they just don't cast ugly people. <laughs> I mean, that—that's true of everything. Like, Brienne's supposed to be ugly in the books too. And she's not. Like, good. I guess Gwendolyn Christie, like, maybe isn't traditionally sports illustrated cover model beautiful, but she's clearly
4: beautiful. She's beautiful, yeah. yeah. She's like a, she, isn't she like a model or something? She is she's like a fashion model. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's but the that's, thing. That, that, that's thats the thing. That's, they that's don't television. cast. You know, they're not casting me to be in Game of Thrones. They're casting Peter Dinklage to fine. be in Game of Thrones. And they give actors awards for mm-hmm. making themselves look ugly. Like, Steve Carell got nominated for Foxcatcher. He, he put on a prosthetic nose. Shall and they're like, oh, Michael Scott's wearing yeah. a prosthetic nose and he's doing a voice. <laughs> Oscar nomination. But so.
1: does that shortchange the character? Like, if being ugly is part of Tyrion's character, is part of the reason Sansa doesn't trust him, is that doing the, the story to surface? In the
4: book, I think it does... It does it a disservice because, in, for the show, not having that element in it because it says something about Sansa's character too. Where mm. We're on board with her; and we're like she's a good character, she's nice, and we like her. But she's judging this guy because he's I mean, ugly. In part yeah. because of his yeah. looks.
1: I mean, she she is she she's. If a he super was beautiful, if he was kind of good looking,
4: it wouldn't. She wouldn't have such a hard time. It must it, very she short. wouldn't be. It, she'd take a little bit longer to get to there. Same with all these other characters. Mm. but...
1: I mean, I think it's a question we can, we can think about, just, um, it was never going to happen. No. They're not going to cast off. It. No. It, it, it's, it's a TV show, no. that's what we have, but mm-hmm. it's an interesting little, uh, work. Okay, finally, some quick vocabulary and yes. the thing, the best part of the every episode. Uh, cur, mm-hmm. I've heard that word for it, I never really know what it mean. A cur, an aggressive dog or one that is in poor condition, especially a mongrel, used to reference to the hound. A cur. Alright. And finally, a quintain. A post set up as a mark in tilting with a lance, typically with a sandbag attached to one end that swings around and strikes an unsuccessful tilter. Mm. So it's like, you know, it's a it's a fake opponent in a joust. Yeah. And Tommen fights it and it kicks his ass. Literally. Like, Tommen loses Tommen against loses. the fake yeah. sandbag knight person. It's perfect. <laughs> Which is cute. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't bad. And then there's the big point where Sansa's like, You should go over to him and help to Joffrey. And he's like, Why? <laughs> And then, yeah, yeah, then Marcella wants to go over. And I think that's about all we can... Do you have any other thoughts on Sansa 1? No, I'm I'm with
4: you, though. I do enjoy these Sansa chapters.
1: Yeah, I I, I like how different they are. And uh, Karen says Sansa is still superficial,
4: which I agree with. And I'm not sure she ever completely...
1: I mean, we're human beings. Like, we... Human beings are naturally superficial. We like symmetry. And, uh, I don't know, I, I think there is... Part of a human being that just—it's just, just natural—likes to look at pretty things, and it's harder for someone like Tyrion mm-hmm. who is just not attractive, mm-hmm. and easier for someone like Peter Dinklage who is just attractive, but oh no, he's short. And who cares? <laughs> he's still the best-looking dwarf in the world. Mm-hmm. Okay, speaking of that, next chapter is Tyrion one. Yes. So we'll right. read that next week. We will be back here. Wednesday at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time here on the Winners Coming Facebook page. For more Game of Thrones talk by Fire Song Ben and Josh, news. Thanks for watching, everybody, and we'll see you next week. Adios.